What does healing mean to you? What I didn't know is that joy could be out there. God has healing for us in his redemption, and ultimately, everything will be redeemed. Voices, the mental health podcast, raising unanswered questions, sharing unanswered prayers. We are faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. I am Tony Roberts. I am Eric Riddle. And we are Revealing Voices. Tony, it's episode 17. Hard to believe, Eric. It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be alive. Nice fall day. Tony, you know what October means. Halloween? Yeah, but more than that. Fall party at the Roberts Cohen household. Yes, yes. And mental health month. Yes. Which the two kind of go hand in hand. So I'm here at Tony's yesterday, and uh, I go upstairs, and I smelled that wonderful smell mm. of garlic. Mm. And man, oh man, I don't think I've ever seen so many garlic cloves in my life. 18 garlic cloves, finely minced, and someone said to me that maybe we ought to invest in a garlic press, which would probably be a good investment. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we have one at the house, and I, I love the garlic press. Up. By my little hands. Yeah. Which, next time I'm going to do a garlic press. The, the Roberts Family Festival. Your family owns a bounce house. We were bequeathed the bouncy house, right? Some family members bought three and rented them out to pay for them. Yeah. And then when they had finished use of them, they sold it at a low price to us. You ever jump in? I think I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, wasn't that memorable. No? <laughs> but the... The kids love it. Yeah, it's a big, big hit. That is a really nice thing to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But back to these Let soups. Go for a couple hours. You were making uh, soup from the Moosewood Cookbook. I did. I made gypsy soup. You know, the Moosewood Cookbook is the one I used to make Rippy Berry Delight for Mother's mm-hmm. Day. Mm-hmm. And your famous hummus. And the fa- I made the hummus tonight. I was pressing my own garlic today. Do you use turmeric for that, or what do you put? Uh, in it's cayenne and uh, paprika and parsley goes in, and then you got lemon juice, tahini, tahini, yeah, chickpeas of course, and mm-hmm. olive oil. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy. I make a double batch, two cans. Chickpeas also win in this recipe, and turmeric, yeah, and paprika, mm-hmm. a lot of spices. Yeah, there's a chicken chili chonga or something I, I don't know it's a chili chicken i'd take some chicken, chicken chili. chili chonga yeah we'll save you a batch we'll I, I may just put mason jars of the gypsy soup and the chicken just call it the chonga the chonga <laughs> please <laughs> i want a big quart of chonga oh chonga october chonga that's what the season's all about You know, Tony, by the time this podcast is out, we will have put down our cat. Lovely schnoo. Liam schnoo boogerface. 
If our listeners really want to get to know Shnu, you can actually type in Shnu gets a message in YouTube. Shnu is spelled S-C-H-N-U-E. And uh, I was giving Shnu a massage. I've got a real connection with Shnu. And, and Jen took a video, and when she typed in the title, she put in Shnu gets a message. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Jen. Yeah, we love you, Shnu. It's really sad. Shnu is probably the most affectionate cat I've ever had the privilege of, of knowing. And yeah. uh, I can't imagine how difficult it is for Jen and Eric, but he will be missed by many. Yeah. Now we have Prince Harry Strider, our younger cat, and we're, we're thinking about changing his name to King Harry Strider because really Shnu is the king. He's the king of the household. So he may be up for a promotion. Harry's a good heir. He's a good heir to the throne. You think he'll handle it okay? I think he will. I think Humble. he will. Yes. Not going to let it go to go to his head? I don't think so. Not no. going to be, become a wicked despot? Just keep those claws. Keep those claws in there, Harry. Mm-hmm. We love cats. We love you, Schnoo. So tell us about your upcoming trip to San Francisco. I'm very excited. I'm going to see a friend, Ben Cornell, high school friend, our 20-year reunion this year. I didn't get to go, but I'm going to get to go to San Francisco and see Ben, and that's going to be amazing. I'm part of the Stability Network, and I joined the Stability Network about two years ago. It was through a connection I made in uh, mental health in the workplace, trying to start a uh, mental health advocacy group at Cummins here in town, the corporate Cummins office here in town. That didn't work out. But through the process, I met Donna Hardiker. Donna Hardiker introduced me to Catherine Switz, who is the founder of the Stability Network. And I've been to one national like training to be uh, an advocate for mental health, and in particular in the workplace. This will be the annual meeting, and it's really a networking event. And I, I still feel like I'm very new to the organization. It's going to be very nice to have that face-to-face time, and I'm, I'm sure... I will meet some folks out there who would be great for for revealing yeah, voices. Yeah, I, I look forward to that. Yeah. This is also Mental Health Month, and we've talked a little bit about how we uh, are presenting at a uh, best practices conference, which by the time you hear this will be in the midst of taking place. We're also going to plan a special episode. You want to talk about that, Eric? Right. So Mark Tucky, St. Peter's Lutheran here in town. Mark was on Revealing Voices. His church is having a like a regional best practices conference. They've invited us to be keynote speakers, and it'll be recorded, uh, video and audio. Uh, hopefully, it'll be uh, a good enough audio quality that we could post a like a special episode on our podcast feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that'd be really cool. Uh, the theme is going to be uh, what does healing mean to you. And I, I think it'll be nice. We're the keynote on the first night. So I think setting the tone uh, for all ministry, really, um, of what does healing mean to you, I think that'll, that'll be something that they can carry with them throughout the, the next two days of the conference. Yeah, I do too. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, St. Peter's has been a pioneer for advocacy with mental health uh, ministry and big supporters of Eric and I and what we do at Faithful Friends and Revealing Voices. And uh, we want to to help them in in any way we can. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we're going to be highlighting during that time is Minds Renewed. 
That's right. Which we'll be going into here with, with Bob Mills. Tell us about Minds Renewed, Tony. Well, Minds Renewed is a mental health network designed to help clergy and church leaders join the mental health ministry movement. Yeah. And Bob is a mover and shaker. He's a navigator in many respects. He a navigator. He happen. Yes. He's a networker. That's very evident in our interview. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a great guy. I think he's, he's brought together a lot of people in uh, areas of mental health ministry and gotten others involved who would not otherwise have been involved. Yeah. You know what else he is? He's a demon deacon. He is. He's demon. He's demon about those deacons. <laughs> It's a strange name, you know. Well, he worked forty years for Wake Forest. That's right. And uh, he's still heart and soul demon deacon. Yeah, not a blue devil. That's their. No, uh, that would be Duke. Right, right, right. That's Duke. No, don't want that. It's some devils and demons there in North Carolina. Better watch out, especially this time of year. <laughs> Tony, in 2013, Bob retired from Wake Forest, where he'd had a long career in fundraising. He then went to found Minds Renewed after he discovered through research that there was really no center place on the internet for people to find easy access to the best mental health resources and to faith-based resources. Yeah, Bob talks about his unique skills as a, a relationship builder which and a communicator, which he honed over his years at Wake Forest. Yep. And uh, made him particularly suited for this ministry. On the Minds Renewed website, it says that Bob's desire to honor God through serving the suffering grew out of his own experience with bouts of depression and bipolar disorder. So Bob counts himself among uh, the peer recovery movement in that regard. Shall we pray beforehand? Tony, would you lead us, please? Sure. Holy God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you that you have given us the wisdom and skill to work out our technical difficulties. Thank you for Bob and making his time available. Pray that you would help us to glory and honor you in what we say and in what others hear through Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tony. When we started uh, revealing voices, you know, we were uh, talking about a lot of different formats and uh, listening to a lot of different podcasts. And there's one called uh, The Hilarious World of Depression. Have you heard of that, Bob? That is one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to almost every yeah. one of them. Nice. Well, you know, at the very beginning of that one, they've got Is Depression Funny? And so I kind of liked how they, they kick off with that. And so Tony and I were talking about questions, and we we landed on what does healing mean to you. And so we, we'll start this interview with, with asking uh, that question to you. Well, knowing that that was coming, because I've listened to all your podcasts too, um, there's a poem I want to read that uh, one of your questions that you'd sent earlier uh, asked me about the lowest moment I'd had. When I was at the lowest moment, God gave me a poem from the library at the church, and it's by Edwin Markham, and it's short. It goes like this. Defeat may serve as well as victory to shake the soul, 
and let the glory out. When the great oak is straining in the wind, the boughs drink in a new beauty, and the trunk sends down a deeper root on the windward side. Only the soul that knows the mighty grief can know the mighty rapture. Sorrows come to stretch out spaces in the heart for joy. That last line was really the line that brought me out. Sorrows come to stretch out spaces in the heart for joy. Mm. And when I think about healing, I came to understand that as this is the redemptive part of suffering. Right. Where we are, our hearts, I knew in this low time about my heart being stretched. I mean, I felt that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I didn't know is that joy could be out there. Mm-hmm. God has healing for us in his redemption. And ultimately, everything will be redeemed. The joy we can never imagine will be will experience. But here on this earth, we can experience it yeah. too. Well, that's beautiful. I, I want to start just where you left off there and say you've just shared a low moment, perhaps one of the lowest. Go ahead and share with us, if you would, um, some of your mental health history and what led you to that point. I have not suffered the way that people so many people, probably the average person who we've ministered to suffers with mental illness. And I suffered enough to uh, have understood the basics of what they experience and have my heart stretched that mm-hmm. way. My experience of difficulties with it, um, it all came so late for me. I was well-established. Um, in a career and family and friends and community, all these things, not that those things can't be lost, but they weren't for me. And I was well along Mm -hmm. when I had real difficulty. Um, And I'm, but depression has been serious in my family for a while. Certainly my mom had problems. And one of the things that was really helpful was when I started experiencing things, I had worked with her in helping her through difficult times and knew that there was healing out there. When um, I started experiencing problems, I never felt any stigma because I knew the basis of the illness. I had probably a first depression around 30. I got counseling, a little bit of medication, but really did talk counseling, and it helped a lot. And um, it, it really, I felt, you know, strengthened me in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, they, when things came along from spiritually, I was not a, a Christian, though. What was it that led you to Christ after that? Yeah, I was uh, 43, and I, I was a churchgoer, and had been a churchgoer pretty much my whole life, and certainly growing up. The doubts were too great for me to really believe that I was a Christian, and, um, and I wasn't. I mean, I never made a real commitment. There, there was too much doubt yeah. that I—sometimes they call that uh, a— um, a baby step across a chasm when you're stepping from uh, not believing to believing. Mm. Um, And that's really where I was. I didn't know it at the time, but that's really where I was. And uh, I was very much involved in the church and going to Sunday school, 
that I wasn't a believer. I'd experienced a depression when things were great otherwise. I really felt that I would not get out of that depression unless I made some kind of decision about whether to believe in Christ or not. We talked to a pastor at the church. He suggested a Christian counselor. I saw him, and in that first meeting, as I told him the story, he said, after hearing it, he said, Bob, did you ever think that the depression you're experiencing might be God's way of getting your attention? And I really sensed that that's what was going on. Yeah. It had to get a little worse until I really reached out to God. And I won't go into the drama of that story, but I did reach out and God answered in a dramatic way. Short time later, I gave my life to Christ. It wasn't long um, before, at least after this experience, that you were led not only to find support for yourself, but to find fellowship with other believers in the church and have a, a group support. You want to share a little bit about that transition? Uh, so I became a Christian at 43 and was very excited to learn all kinds of things to go deeper, became very involved. The counselor, he asked me to come on the board of his ministry, so I was doing that. Now, how is that going now? We're 17 years in. Every two weeks, we have support groups. Uh, we focus, one, on uh, loved ones of people dealing mainly with bipolar disorder, but also whatever people, uh, however they find us, and uh, we help them with whatever they're dealing with. We have a group for loved ones that meets, and then after it meets, we have a group for people who actually have the disorder. We learned that this need for people who have loved ones who are dealing with these illnesses is larger, really, a good bit, because there's so many more of them than there are people with the disorders, even though the people numbers of people with the disorders is so huge. Um, both are really big numbers of the population. Mm -hmm. Have you found ways within the group to integrate faith and mental illness or mental health diagnoses? Oh, it's all that way. We let people know from the beginning that we welcome and really encourage people, whether they're believers or not, to come to the group and just experience it, make a judgment for themselves. Mm -hmm. We've had lots of non-believers, lots of people who have other worldviews, all kinds of situations. But we explain to them that we're there because we're a ministry of the church and we're there because we believe God wants us to be, but we don't push our belief system on them. Uh, we open in prayer and we close with prayer, and we make it a very friendly environment for people to talk about challenges of faith. Good. It's, it's very much a part of it, and people are usually eager to do that. Your program is, without a doubt, one of the longest-running uh support groups in the realm of faith and mental illness and you've touched a lot of lives haven't you i saw some of the numbers on your website can you uh talk a little bit about how many folks you you've reached in interest of full disclosure we haven't counted heads exactly but probably about three thousand mm -hmm. people have come in those 17 years sounds like huge numbers and i mean it's a lot yeah. of people but understand they come in small numbers. Mm -hmm. It's always open to anybody. We never know who's coming. 
except our facilitators, we know will be there and make sure the doors are mm -hmm. open. And sometimes nobody yep. comes to one of the yep. groups. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yep. we get an amazing number of people. We've had to split it into three groups mm. at times. Um, but typically, it will be four to eight, something mm -hmm. like that in yeah. the room. And God takes care of that. We learned a long time ago not to worry oh, about yeah. That he, he brings in the people he wants there. That's what we pray that he will do. When Eric and I started our mental health support group, we prayed about it for a long time, and we came to the decision that even if it were just the two of us, that it would be worthwhile. You know, it's, I, I think you have to have a humble heart to, to know that, like you said, God's going to send the people that need to be there. Yeah, and I'll say the, the other thing about the spiritual side and about the um, the numbers and the prayer part of it. I guess now about six years ago, some people who've been, who we knew well, who've been part of the ministry there became very active in healing prayer and really uh, focusing on praying for people for healing very, very intentionally. And they asked if they could come alongside us there and offer that. And the way we set that up is there in an adjoining room. It's optional for anybody who wants to go there and be prayed for individually, very personally, praying the scriptures, and they pray for those of us who are there and pray for the ministry generally and other needs that come up. And that's been a huge difference. Of the group. Bob, what is the, the leadership structure of the group? We, we've intentionally made ours a kind of a peer recovery group. Who are the, the leaders of a, any given night? It's a combination. Um, I mean, I would be a, a peer recovery person, and some others are, but it's um, as many people who are loved ones. And, you know, we, I guess we have about nine people who are facilitators either and we have three different teams so that it doesn't get too heavy on any of us so three leaders three uh, who have a team and then the combination of those that number of people takes care of making sure we have enough facilitators each there mm -hmm. each time and then the number of people in the prayer ministry they'll have at least two and sometimes they'll have three or four You know, Bob, out, out of this uh, ministry that you've had, um, a new ministry has emerged, and I'd like to shift gears to Minds Renewed. Would you share a little bit about the origins of Minds Renewed and what uh, led you to move in this direction? Yeah, I'd point to a couple of things. My background professionally is in university fundraising but also a big part of that use of the technology for communications, using that was a big part of the way in which I was involved in fundraising and alumni directing and pro running programs and all those kinds yes. of things. And I did that for 40 years at Wake Forest. So it was always second nature to me to be thinking about how do we use whatever technology is available to bring people together around good causes. And that's really my way my mind is pretty well trained to work yes. 
when we started um, putting Minds Renewed together. Mm-hmm. I, I want to read a couple things from the MindsRenewed.org website. Uh, I'm looking at the Mission and Vision page. Uh, it says, Minds Renewed, a Christ-like response to mental health. Our plan is simple. Minds Renewed is building a network of 12,000 hand-selected consortium members who will provide the hearts, spirits, knowledge, and prayers through which we serve those impacted by mental health concerns and addictive disorders. Then your mission is to honor God by serving those impacted by mental health concerns. You have scripture here from Romans 12, 2 saying, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's an amazing passage there. Uh, And then your vision, it says, through our web portal, use the power of technology to reach the nation too. And then you have in bold, inspire those needing help inform them of the best resources available, provide personal connections for reaching resources, encourage Christian churches to join in mental health ministry. As I looked on the web, I two things I noticed were, it's very difficult to find things out there. And the other is that when you did, it was very poorly presented. Mm-hmm. Now I was in a major university where we had very fine technology access and understood the needs for presenting things competitively and that sort of thing. So we did a survey, got a Google grant, did a little survey to try to find out um, whether the need we thought we were detecting really was a need. And a lot of people who participated in that and then some of them participated in a thinking and visioning conference. After that, became leadership of the core of Minds Renewed. And that's uh, about 2011. To illustrate what your point is uh, in terms of my own journey, uh, when I first uh, typed in uh, faith and mental illness, probably two or three of the top 10 that came up were articles written 10 years ago. <laughs> There's very little uh, present relevant stuff. I'm a history major, and I'm always kind of thinking. Yeah, me too. Are you? <laughs> nice. So I'm trying to think of the sequence of events here. And, and so you had started with the group ministry at the First Presbyterian Church there where you attend. And you had a growing interest in understanding what other mental health resources were out there. And, and so... Was Minds Renewed then kind of an extension of that within your own church body there uh, where you attended? No, this was always outside. Um, I mean, that was always and continues to be a sort of laboratory for uh, in, the, in the place where we come to understand what people need. This was an expansion of thinking about what the, well, really the world, but let's start with the USA, needs to help people when we realized that there was not really any coordination yeah. to this. And I mean, probably like you, if you get into doing some of this kind of work, people start asking you, well, can you help my son who actually lives in Portland with this need or that need? And yeah. yeah, I mean, that's all the time. And most of the time I might get lucky, 
because I'm a networker and I have done a lot of college work for years and I could usually find somebody who might know something and they'd usually help if they could. So we realized that there was nothing coordinating this and that there was a lot of resources out there, both from Christians and, uh, and not, that aren't getting to people. Right. Who are some of the first people that you reached out to to start, it sounds like in 2011, the, the board? When I talk board, I really have to include our special advisors. They are not board members, but that's only because board members have to spend time doing worrying about things like budgets and organization moving. And, and we have these great advisors who allow us to extend the ministry so much. But Dr. Warren Kinghorn at Duke, who's now a great friend, who's a special advisor, was there at our first meeting. Harold Smith, uh, who's the head of Christianity Today, and his wife, Judy, uh, who's been our chair, uh, were there at that first meeting. Bob, that's a, that's a big big uh, person to have at your first meeting. <laughs> how, do you, how do you start and, there? And how how does that happen? I want to see your Rolodex. I could tell you that I did it, but the greatest part of it is that God yes. did it. What he did with me first was he prepared me to be a natural yes. network. I love doing it. I well, just, you're yeah. doing it very I, well. My wife will tell you painfully, I'm going to network go be shaking hands and working yeah. the room regardless of where I am. And I, my mind goes into I'm like uh, kind of an overdrive yeah. on that. Well, good good for you. We need more uh, we need more networkers in the field of mental health and faith and um, I'm glad God has has worked through you anyway. Share a little bit. You've talked about coordinating and networking and um, promoting resources. So given this large vision of Minds Renewed, what would you say the next steps are in terms of realizing the vision? Well, we're constantly building. And before I was actually putting together something, quote, putting it together for God, I had no idea <laughs> how much you have to give up of knowing how to do stuff mm. out of your own self and out of your own brain. The real challenge there has been constantly turning things over to God. And when I do, I get out of the way and he just starts pouring on uh, openings and opportunities that I would never have thought of or come up with, mm. you know, just wonderful, amazing things. Mm -hmm. But it's also because his pace and... <laughs> One of our board members, our special advisors, the brilliant business guy and a brilliant entrepreneur, looked and a devout Christian, and he looked at my our plan several years ago and said, "This is really a good plan." I was feeling excited when he said that, and he said, "There's just one problem with it. You want to do in two years what's going to take you yeah. ten." And I said. Well, I know I can't do it in two years, but God can do it if he wants sure. to. What I have said, and that was that is right, but what I've had to um, come to grips with is he's going to do it his way if I just keep at it and keep building, and I'll make mistakes, but he'll redeem mm -hmm. those, and 
will be able to allow what needs to happen here to happen. So that's a long, very long way of saying we have a big vision. It turned out to be bigger than I thought it was. It seemed simple when we started uh -huh. it, but he's building it his way. So I have to keep turning things over. And, and that's become a discipline that's actually a delight. Yeah. Now you, um, you have mentioned these visions. How, how can we tell our listeners to best pray for and support Minds Renewed mission at this point in, in the coming days? Quite a few of the people who are listening to this, whenever they listen to it, are the ideal kinds of folks that would be volunteers for what we're mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. Because we will have many mental health professionals um, and all kinds of pastors and people who are, have a heart for this and training, many, many people among our volunteers will be people who, just like any of us who, who have suffered, either because of where the loved ones of people with mental illness or because we have a mental illness or both, they'll be people whose hearts have been shaped first by God and then by those experiences. They're the ones who will spend time and be delighted to be spending the time, and we'll spend the time also in mm -hmm. prayer. That's what's got to make up our 12,000 uh, volunteers. That number is not arbitrary. That's, I mean, it may be more than that, but that's a number that we realize that we can make the organization selective, and I don't mean selecting to keep people out, but we also have to be careful making sure that the people who are involved in this are people that we would want our own loved ones to be receiving some sort of encouragement mm -hmm. from. I would ask people to pray for volunteers. Our volunteers will also be our primary source of support. We're, we'll be our, the members of our church, in effect. Um, that they're, we are looking for them to provide the operating budget. All of that will be voluntary on their part. If you apply and you want to be involved as a consortium member and you're selected, that comes with the territory, praying about what God would have you do. Would you highlight maybe two or three persons or groups or churches who you think are doing uh, model work for our church and individuals that we speak to that might consider contacting? Well, one I would point to right away is uh, Warren Kinghorn and the work that's being done at Duke University's Divinity School. Warren is both a psychiatrist and a uh, Divinity School professor, and, and he's on both the medical and the Divinity School faculty. But their work in faith and health is really exemplary. They're really establishing models for the country. You know, we've had four of our churches here in Winston-Salem that have been part of that. I think the programs that are done out of the Mental Health Faith Alliance with Joe Padilla is the director, co-founder with Matt Stanford, that you can see what they do um, online. Uh, Mental Health Grace Alliance, Brad Hayes group, Fresh Hope for Mental Health. Do you hear Tony on his podcast? Yeah, hey. I listen to all Brad's yeah. stuff. Yeah, Brad's great. Yeah, I would definitely point to them. And right there, uh, they, in, you know, in Indiana, 
um, I'm drawing a blank, excuse me, Dennis, uh, his last name, but what's being done with the foundation up in Northeastern Indiana. In Fort Wayne? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Mark Tyke uh, talks about that. There's a oh, Lutheran, yeah, Lutheran seminary up there. They're doing some good work. Yeah, right. They have uh, programs. Well, what's happened there is um, the, the Lutheran Foundation that's there, it was established as a health foundation and, and a faith foundation when a hospital system was sold. Right. And the, the money from that is all being devoted to mental mm. health. So they're doing lots of programming, trying to figure out better ways to do programming. Mm -hmm. I'd like to kind of wrap up with the question, you know, where do you see us going? We've talked a little bit about where we are in terms of what people are doing around the country, some of those strengths that you see. Where do you see us going in the realm of faith and mental health? What could we do to move toward that? From my perspective, it's, it's growing by leaps and bounds. When I look back to when we did our survey in 2010, even by the time of um, 2013 when we started Minds Renewed formally, Fresh Hope had started, uh, Mental Health Grace Alliance had started, and I see this all over the country, and, and that's part of our role is creating a national mental health ministry this way that will be have an overall vision of what's going on out there. I see it increasing in momentum. I think it just become more and more accepted that churches, individual Christians will take this yes. role. I just see it's turned and things like what you're doing and we're doing and anybody's getting out there very publicly and bringing resources together has an opportunity to accelerate that. Bob, I guess just as an example here, Tony and I have a ministry in Columbus, the Faithful Friends Ministry, and there's other ministries like this across the country. Is it part of Minds Renewed job to locate those ministries? And so you would have like an interactive map on your website, and they could hover over Indiana and it has a list of different ministries in the state or like i'm just trying to figure out how you would be plugging these various ministries and d doing that work of connecting the way i look at it is one thing i've learned you've probably seen is too when you start putting together lists of resources as soon as you write them down they become outdated right. it needs to be a dynamic process and the way we're constructing Minds Renewed is that while we will have some things, a lot of things actually, uh, we will keep up and curate of quality links, quality materials, and that's, that sort of thing. We expect that people will be reaching us with specific kinds of questions and specific kinds of needs. And we will have volunteers. Now, some of the folks who are listening now would be wonderful as those kind of volunteers who will be doing two-way anonymous on both sides chat with folks and helping them direct them to resources that are either on the site or they can then go out or we can poll people who are in the consortium who would have reason perhaps to know where the resources might be. I'd like to close where we started out with what does healing mean to you and uh, a takeaway I had from, from that opening was that 
you find a lot of joy in the healing and, and opening up beyond that pain to experience a joy and maybe reflection or reframing or just understanding those difficult moments is a sign of healing for you. Would you like to expand any more on, on the poem you shared or, or your thoughts on joy and healing? I think we're right on. And um, I mean, it's, it's God's redemption of um, our pain. I mean, it just says in this world, you will have suffering, but fear not because I've overcome the world. Yeah. Okay. Well, Bob, we thank you for coming on the program and uh, thank you for sharing your, your expertise. Keep up the good work. I'll be listening in. Tony, uh, Bob Mills, mine's renewed. That's right. Bob Mills. Um, I first encountered Bob Mills in the book uh, Amy Simpson wrote called Troubled Minds, Mental Illness, and the Church's Mission. Bob was mentioned as one of the best practices, his ministry at uh, the First Presbyterian Church in Winston-Salem. Yeah. Since that time, he has uh, launched, he and others have launched uh, a ministry, Minds Renewed, and that's pretty impressive ministry, isn't it, Eric? Yes, so I, I referred to him as a big fish mm -hmm. when I, I dove into this Minds Renewed and was like, Tony, how did you uh, come across this guy? What is this? So you, you saw him written up in Amy's book, mm -hmm. Amy, who was on our what our second show, third show. Right. We are going to be using you know parts of this interview and things that we see on his uh, mindsrenewed.org website to help inform people at the conference coming up in October where we're speaking. That's right. And I think also he's going to help connect us with future guests. You know, already yes. he has sent a link and will connect us through emails to a gentleman in Fort Wayne Yeah, uh, related to a Lutheran ministry there. It was a bit surreal him complimenting us on our, our podcast. It was the first time someone that I don't know has said they, they listen. So, uh, Bob, thank you for that. That's really encouraging. I, I appreciate I really appreciate You're it. like a grandfather to me, Bob. <laughs> the How about a brother? How about a brother? Been somebody. Bob's our brother. But brother, you're a brother, brother in faith. brother in Christ. That's yeah. right. You're a brother in faith. Bob, look forward to uh, deepening our relationship. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Tony, our show has come to a close. Now is the time to ask for five-star reviews. Please scroll to the bottom of our podcast homepage, click on five stars, then click on write a review. Help us reach more people seeking emotional healing and the hope of faith. Thanks again for your support of Revealing Voices. Revealing Voices is not a substitute for professional mental health care or participation in a faith community. If your unanswered questions or unanswered prayers leave you feeling desperate or unsafe, we urge you to seek further help. A partial list of outreach resources may be found on our website, revealingvoices.com. Tony, I, I got to say, he's in a great place to found an organization like this after a lot of years at Wake Forest as um, vice president of, 
Wait a minute.